Pray with me before we open uh, his word, because Lord, we recognize, O Holy Spirit, that you are the author of this book, that we would open, and without your enlightening, without your quickening us, without your bearing witness in our souls, there's absolutely no way we can get anything. And then even if we could, there's no way in the world we could apply anything without you, Holy Spirit. And so we pray that you would, would work this, this morning. We would invite you to do so in our hearts. And even right now, before we look into your word, Lord, would you place your finger on anything that we would have that would obstruct anything that, that uh, is there that we've gotten our feet dirty this week, something that we're hanging on to that we should let go, something that we're, we've let go of that we should pull back. Oh, God, I would pray that you would speak now in the name of Jesus. Amen. I know when I was uh, a little boy, um, I had one Bible. I remember I, I saved up all my paper route. I made like eight bucks a month. This is how for my paper route. It's amazing today. I mean, but but back then, eight bucks a month. I saved up for for like four months to buy my very first. I was 12 years old. I remember this going through the catalog and picking it out. It was a leather-bound, black, Schofield reference, King James Version Bible. Oh, and I loved this thing. It seemed like, and maybe it was just the heritage I grew up in, that the only Bible you could get was a King James Bible. And it's, there was no other options. You could get it in black or brown or, or red, but this was, this was it. This was the, those were the options. Nowadays, you know, versions all over the place. But back then, at least in my church, King James was the way it was. You know what? Um, the Awana books, I don't know if you knew this, way back when, when I was on Awana, the only verses you could memorize were King James. They were just, there were no options. It was just King James. When I was uh, in my Bible quiz years, my junior high, senior high years, we memorized purely King James. Well, there was one phrase in the King James Bible that I kind of struggled with a little bit, and that's uh, the phrase, you know this from our series, uh, the Holy Ghost. And partially, I'd had some bad experiences with some ghosts. You know, we talked about that last week. Um, I, I thought that ghost stories were stories you used to scare people with, maybe manipulate, control them a little bit. Of course, no one, everyone knew that there were no ghosts, that ghosts weren't really around. And, and, and so when I got a little bit older and I traded in my King James and I got a New American Standard and an NIV and an ESV and... Uh, he changed his name. The, the translators changed his name. It was no longer Holy Ghost. It was now Holy Spirit. But the confusion still stayed the same. Changing his name did not fix it for me. The, the Holy Spirit, I think this is amazing, it has become a battleground. The, the, the thing that God has given to unify and bring his people together has been a subject that has splintered them and blown them apart in, in many ways. So the, the, the Holy Spirit kind of had a marketing issue, in my own mind anyway, because I knew the importance of God the Father. And I knew the importance of Jesus. I mean, it's all about the cross, right? Jesus and the cross. It's all, but the Holy Spirit, uh, um, what does he really do anyway? I mean, you know, maybe some subjective feeling stuff once in a while. And, you know, if you, I was not from a charismatic background. And I remember my friends in charismatic churches, and they had all kinds of Holy Ghost stuff going on. 
But I figured it was kind of like my friends from Presbyterian churches as well. You know, they wore robes and we didn't wear robes. And these guys had all kinds of Holy Ghost stuff going on and we didn't do that either. And, and so what he did, I don't know. I figured he kind of just kind of rode, rode in on the coattails of the Father and the Son. And, you know, it's kind of like a Johnny come lately to the Godhead sort of deal. And I would figure it out perhaps when I get to heaven. But obviously he's not that important because if he was, it'd be clearer, right? Well, we talked last week, when you look at the life of Jesus himself, that everything from Jesus' teaching to his miracles, Scripture tells us that it's attributed to the power of the Holy Spirit working through him. Everything from Jesus' death to his resurrection. The Spirit was there not just observing, he was there uh, working in a major, major way without the Holy Spirit's work, according to the text, there would be no death and resurrection of Jesus. According to the text, there would be no birth of Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And we come to the realization last week that the Holy Spirit is much more needed than we think. That there's, we would not be born again. You could not be a Christian. You couldn't be one without the Holy Spirit. And if somehow you could be, which you couldn't be, but if you could, uh, Ephesians 1, it wouldn't last and without the Holy Spirit, if you ever read through the Bible, there'd be, you'd have no desire to without the Holy Spirit. But if you did read through the, the, the Bible, you would get nothing out of it spiritually. Matter of fact, according to 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, there would be no Bible without the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, you would never feel a conviction of sin. You would never overcome a temptation. You would never see a victory in your life. You would never grow into more of a caring and forgiving and loving person. That wouldn't happen. Without the Holy Spirit, you would never know God's presence or, or the hope of heaven or his guiding or his comfort. You wouldn't. And you know, worse than that, without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't care. And so the Holy Spirit, incredibly important. Last week, we said uh, something together. We, we, this was the, the, the mantra that we said last week. We said, I need my God, the Holy Spirit. You remember? We said, I need my God, the Holy Spirit. I want us to say that again. Can we say that again? I need my God, the Holy Spirit. Last week we looked at how he is our God. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to grab the CD or you can get it online. Uh, as we looked at the significance, the, the deity of the Holy Spirit. Now as we talk about that, lots of questions come up in our minds. And these are some of the battleground questions. Uh, like, well... When do I get the Holy Spirit? And, and, and how do I get the Holy Spirit? And do I get him like in degrees? And, and here's the key question that's not asked that probably ought to be asked. Why do I get the Holy Spirit? Very important question. And so we're not going to answer all of those this morning, but we're going to start down that road. And so if you've got your Bibles, if you'll turn with me, to the birthday of the church passage, incredibly important text, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. This is like a landmark text in your Bible. You might not understand necessarily why, and we're going to start in this road. We'll come back to this text in further weeks. But Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, 
and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And just, just, just look at that for just a minute. Just, just, just stare that down for a second. And just notice a couple of things. First of all, you notice that when they were there, it was on Pentecost, right? We're going to talk about this in the future, but there's this, it wasn't serendipitously the Spirit just happened to come on Pentecost. No, no, there's a there's part of God's plan here. But while they were there, a, a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It wasn't necessarily a mighty rushing wind, but it was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. I don't know if you've ever been in a tornado and you've heard the sound. It's pretty, pretty intense that was there. In the um, Old Testament, as well as in the New Testament, the wind is a sign of the presence of of God. In John 3, Jesus says the wind is, is uh, uh, just like the Spirit. Fascinating, fascinating fact. In the Old Testament, the, the word for wind is ruach. The word for Holy Spirit, for Spirit, is ruach. Same word, same word. So, so the, remember, Elijah's up on the mountain, and all these big things are going on, these big things. But you know what? The Lord's not in those big things. But then it says there's a sound of a gentle blowing, of a wind. The Lord's there. This wind is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So it's the auditory, auditory thing going on, but also vision thing going on, because, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. It's not really a fire, right? It says, as of fire. It's the closest picture this guy has in his, Luke has in his mind. Certainly in the Old Testament, fire is a sign of God. Remember when the Ten Commandments come on Mount Sinai, what's on the top of the mountain? It's got lightning and fire going on. Remember when they're being led through the wilderness? They're led at night by a pillar of fire. It's just a sign of the presence of, of God. Presence of God. He comes on every one of them. Not on some of them, comes on every one of them. And they all began to speak. Now, you've got to add with tongues. So you ask yourself, what, what's going on here? Why is this such an important text? And this is why. Because this is the fulfillment of a major, major promise that the Holy Spirit would be in his people. And you might say, well, why is that? A, I mean, wasn't the Holy Spirit, did you tell us last week he was always working? He was always here? Why is this such a big thing? Well, in John 14, let's look at what Jesus says here. This is significant. Do we have this one up? No, we don't. Okay, let me, let, me, let me read that to you. Oh, there we go, yeah. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, and check this out, for he lives with you and will be in you. That's re- real Im- important because the Holy Spirit has always been with them. He's always been working in the Old Testament. Very selective in the way he came. Didn't come on everybody. Didn't come on every one of the children of God. He would come selectively on occasion for a certain amount of time, usually to equip the people to do a specific task. Some of the folk he came on f- seemingly f- forever. It seems like King David, that was his case. But he would come and go selectively. He was with. But Jesus is letting them know, reminding them actually, but he's going to be in you. And this goes back to Ezekiel chapter, chapter 36. And you're going to find this in, in Jeremiah as well. 
This is, this is huge. He says, God's talking. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. He says, you know what? I gave you one command, just one in the garden, just one, but you weren't able to keep it. And then I gave you 10 more at Sinai. And of course, before Moses came off the mountain, all of those were broken, right? And then I gave you many, many others. And guess what you did with those? Same thing you did with everything else so far. You broke them. It seems like you are bent on not being with me. You are bent on not being... uh, pleasing to me you know God's plan from the very beginning if you go all the way back to the garden was to be with his people you know he and Adam walking he wants to be with us but when they broke and they sinned and they sinned and Adam got kicked out of the garden God comes up with plan b basically and so he comes up with this temple tabernacle thing and this elaborate sacrificial system all this is is this is a a plan and ability for holy almighty to God to be with his sinful people but it was plan B. It wasn't, it wasn't all that incredible because God is in a back room closet type of room that nobody can really get next to. High priest once a year goes in with fear and trembling and gets out as fast as he can. But that's the best you could do because the sinfulness of the people. And so here, this is, ama- this is amazing. Creator God says, you know what? I will be in you. I think that the folk just couldn't get their heads around this. You're going to be what? Creator, almighty, powerful God is going to be in me? What do you, what, that, I think they can't get, but this is a promise. This is the new covenant that's going on. And, and, and so this, this is what, what's, 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 what's happening here. And so in, in Acts 1, just before Jesus leaves, right? He's got a conversation with, with his people. In Acts 1, 4, and 5, it says this. While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Which is right, Holy Spirit. Which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so this is this, is, this promise. And they've got to be wondering. You mean this is back? This is time Oh yeah, this is he's been with you, but he's going to be in you like right now. Almighty God in you right now. And so that's the coming of the Holy Spirit. No longer would he be with us. He'd be in us. This changes everything. God's economy with his people. Look over in John chapter 3 if you got your Bibles. Just incredible uh, picture of how this, how this works. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus, right, was just about as good as you could get. He was the poster child for for. Who's going to heaven? I mean, Nicodemus, think on this guy for a second. 
He was a Pharisee. He was in the Sanhedrin, so he was a political leader of the people. He had much of the Old Testament memorized. His goal in life was to live it out in in its finest details. The fact that he would come to Jesus shows us that he's got a degree of spiritual sensitivity. And look what he says about Jesus. He understands some things about the Christ. You are from God. He says, everyone in the Sanhedrin didn't get this figured out, but he's, he's a spiritually sensitive guy. He's got all this going on. He's got lots of action. Reality is, if Nicodemus wasn't going to heaven, ain't nobody going to heaven. He was, he was the man. But then Jesus just, let's cut, cut to the quick here, Nicodemus. Stops him. And says, well, well, hang on, hang on. You got a lot of things going on. You figured out some stuff that's kind of cool. But you need to know that, that unless you are born again, You're not in. This had to kind of send Nicodemus reeling a little bit. And he goes on. Nicodemus has got some some questions on that. He says, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I think he's being kind of cynical. He's he's a pretty intelligent guy here. But he's just uh, speaking with a bit of skepticism. And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And it gives you this kind of cryptic phrase here. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear it sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The, the, the Greek word for wind is pneuma. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma. Same, same word. And it, it, it's interesting to see what he doesn't tell Nicodemus here, right? He doesn't say, Nicodemus, you need to make a decision now. You've got some stuff figured out and you're doing well. But now you need to make a decision. doesn't go down that road with him. Because... It's not just a decision Nicodemus needs to make. He says, oh, no, no. You need an encounter, a miraculous encounter with the Holy Spirit. You've come as far, Nicodemus, as flesh will allow you to come. You figured out some stuff about me. That's good. You're doing wonderful stuff. Can't be better as a person. You're just nailing it there. But from this point on, it's a spirit thing. It's not a doing thing. It's not a choosing thing. You, you need an encounter with the Holy, Holy Spirit. You need a new birth, Nicodemus. You know, it's um, the uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, right? C.S. Lewis, if you're familiar with the book, great, great, great book, great series. But in the book, we come across four children who are playing hide-and-go-seek, basically, at their uncle's house. They all kind of pile into this wardrobe, and they end up going through the back of it into his magical land of Narnia, where it's like always winter and never Christmas, and where there's lots of talking animals. It's just a, a fascinating sort of land. They're also, while they're there, they're introduced to this wicked queen, the queen who usurped, who's made it always winter and not Christmas, who, who's taken over. And what she has done is for different people in Narnia, uh, she has uh, cast a spell on them. 
she has turned them to stone. And if you were to go to the queen's palace in her courtyard, are all of these captives, people who, who she has they turned them into stone. They're, they're dead. They're, they're, they're cold. They're lifeless. Well, another character we find is Aslan, the, the lion, the Christ figure. And Aslan is, is good, but powerful. You can't tame him. He's unpredictable. And at one point in the story, Aslan is, is killed for the sake of, of the children, to protect them. But then, lo and behold, he, he comes to life again. And in the book, the, one of the first things he does after he comes to life again is he makes a beeline for the queen's palace. And he gets into the courtyard, all these statues. And, and Aslan goes up to each one, kind of puts his nose and breathes into them. And when he does, they all, one at a time, come alive. They come alive. When they realize that they're alive and they realize oh, that it was Aslan that brought them back to life and they were dead and their heart was cold, but Aslan's brought them to life, they are rejoicing and they're praising and they're dancing and they're a mighty army uh, for, for, for Aslan. We, we, we can see this in Ezekiel 37. Remember we were in Ezekiel 36, but just very next chapter. He says, I'm going to put your, my spirit in you. Then he's going to give him a picture of it in 37. So just, just listen to this for a second. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought, common, this is a pretty popular story. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. You know, the thigh bone connected to it. That's what this song is actually based on. It comes from this text, actually. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man. And say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet in exceedingly great number. And then if you go down into the, uh, I've got it covered up, but the next verse, God's going to explain what just happened. And he says, says about what's just transpired. He says, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. And you'll know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Now you've got Ezekiel preaching the word of the Lord. He's preaching. And you've got all this activity. And these bones are coming together. They're rattling. They're busy, man. Lots of busyness going on. They're busy doing all the good things, coming back together. They're busy. And he's preaching the word. He's being faithful. But it's not an issue now, right? Where these bones just decide that they're going to become alive again. Well, I think I'm just going to decide to become alive. You, no, they're dead. They, dead people don't make decisions. They, it's not a decision. 
He can preach for forever. And they can do all the activity and busyness. But the Lord, right, has to stop and breathe his spirit into them and make them alive. It's a picture. What he just mentioned is going to happen one day. There was a, a gentleman who had a Nicodemus type of experience, dry bones experience. You've heard of him, I'm sure. John Wesley's his name. John Wesley went to uh, Oxford. This is 1700s. Oxford. John Wesley was an Anglican priest. John Wesley went as a missionary, believe it or not, to the Native Americans in the state of Georgia. This was, and so he'd have to take the, 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 the boat over. Now, this was his schedule. This was Wesley's schedule when he would, when he would come over. Um, it says, uh, when he was on his way over, this, from 4 to 5 in the morning, private prayer. From 5 to 7, public Bible reading. From 8 to 9, public prayers. From 9 to 12, Bible study. From 12 to 1, testimony. From 2 to 4, reading aloud or witnessing. From 4 to 5, evening prayers. From 5 to 6, private prayers. From 6 to 7, public reading. From 7 to 8, evening service. From 8 to 9, public teaching. This was his schedule. He was a very, he was like a Nicodemus. He was very committed to doing the right things. But, but on the way back from, 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 from Georgia, a storm came up. And it looked like the boat was going down. The ship was going down. And he was scared to death. But he saw this family who claimed to be Christians. And they were calm and they were peaceful. And so after everything died down and they, they, the ship didn't go down, he went and started talking to the dad and said, weren't you all afraid? He said, no, we're, we're Christians. Why would we be afraid? And he was just cut to the quick because he was scared to death. If he died... He really wasn't, he hoped the Lord would be okay with him because he was so good. He did all these, but he, he wasn't sure. Well, it started this, this search for him. And, and finally, one, one night, he ends up going to a, a church service back, back in, in England. He's going to a church service. And he listens to this, this man preach from a Martin Luther commentary on Romans. And he, he says this. He says, about a quarter before nine... While he was describing the change which God, through his Holy Spirit, works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Well, his brother would would write about this. Maybe you've heard the, the song, and can it be that I should gain? It's an older hymn, right? And this is, this is, this is the third uh, verse. He says, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I was stoned, but no, I'm free. I, I, I rose, went forth, and followed thee. And the course is amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Right, last verse. It says, no condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head. And clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne. And claim the crown through Christ my own. Amazing love. How can it be 
that thou, my God, should die for me. So Wesley, who's doing all, just like Nicodemus, doing all the right things. But, but he didn't. He was never, what Jesus would say, born again. He didn't have a, a, a understanding. He didn't have any, an encounter with the Holy Spirit in that regard. What, what he did is he had all the things lined up. He, he was hoping that that would be enough. But Jesus says, no, 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 it's not. It's, it's not an issue of I'm just choosing to, to be on the team. You know, it's, it's, we present the gospel that way. It's just you choosing to be on the team. I'm just going to choose to be on the team. Uh, it's not. It's, it's, it's a little bit more substantial than that. And here's some key texts as we think about this, as we think about the spirit working in it, as we think about this idea of, of uh, what he does at the moment of salvation. Next slide. Check this out. Paul says, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to be from one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So here's the, who has the Holy Spirit? Everybody who has had an encounter with Christ. Everyone who is, we would say, born again. Everyone who, who knows Christ. When, when that, the Holy Spirit, look what he does. He puts you into the body. You, you, being part of the church is not just a membership class. It's not, not uh, go, just deciding to come here. It's just being the hoops. You can come here physically and be a part of it, but to be a part spiritually of the church, the Holy Spirit puts you into that. And he puts, he puts everybody in that, whether you want to be in or not, whether you want to go through a class or not, once you, you have that encounter with Christ, he puts you. Holy Spirit puts you into a whole new category, the, the body. Next, next verse, check this out. It says, 8, 9, it says, Romans, you, however, are not in the, the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you know what? What's it say? You don't belong to Christ. Because once you, you come to know Christ, what happens? Again, it's not just well, my, my choice. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to be on the team. I'm going to sign the card. It, it, go, it goes way beyond that. The, the whole Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2 and just dwells within from this point on. Next text. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Get this, not because of righteous things we had done. Not Nicodemus, John Wesley, but because of his mercy, he saved us, what? Through the washing of rebirth, new birth. You've got to be born again, right? And renewal by the Holy Spirit. It, 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 when, when we come to know Christ, again, it's not just, well, I'm just going to say this magical prayer and, and kind of that gets... The reason what happens is the Holy Spirit comes in and he takes your, your heart of stone and he makes it a heart of flesh. You're born again. You're new. That's why he says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. It's a whole new deal. If you are, if you are in Christ, just a whole new, new, new deal. Um, it's not. I can say this, and this is kind of controversial, but work with me. This is scripture. This is Bible all over the place, and this is new birth. It's not just an issue of my choice. I'm just going to choose that I'm going to 
do this, be in this. It's just, if it's just an issue of our choice, you know, we got some problems. I don't know about you, but there have been times where I've made a decision and then later on I wasn't so sure I made the right decision and I flip-flop and I made a different decision. If it's just your choice, you know what? You can choose to get in and then theoretically you can choose to get out and then maybe get back in and get back out again. And then maybe you're not sure what you should do. If it's just your choice, we got some issues. Uh, maybe you've had to make a choice where you're only 51% confident. I remember I was going to go to, I was going to Columbia Bible College I really didn't feel like I should go, but I didn't feel like I shouldn't go. But it was the time. Classes were starting. I needed to either get in my car and get moving or park it in the garage. I needed to. So I went. What do you do? I went. So I went. There are decisions that we make sometimes that we're not really 100% confident. Maybe if if it's only 51% confidence, does it take? Maybe you make a decision where it's only 10% confident. I'm really not sure about this, but I want to cover my bases just in case. And so does it? Does that take then? If it, what if you're like 95% confident when you make the decision, but stuff comes up and life happens and now you've got like a 10% confidence issue. Is, is, does, does, the, does it still take? If it's just your choice, we are in trouble. We are in trouble. It goes beyond that substantially. E- e- Ephesians 1. Just this and I don't have this one on the screen, several verses on this, but just listen. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so uh, that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Now listen to this, and I got this one, should have this one on the screen. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, 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 I... I know this can be a challenging doctrine. And you might say, well, did I choose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never met anybody who's saying, well, I'm just not interested in this. I really don't like it, but for crying out loud, I'm one of the elect, right? So what do I do? I guess I'm in. If that's what you're thinking, you pretty much, I can tell you, you're probably not one of the elect. So don't worry about it. You're probably not. not, you, You say, yes, of course, of course you chose. But please don't think it was just, you know, we like the idea that I can choose God if I want to. But we don't like the idea that he can choose. No, no, we don't like that. See, I'm the one who gets to choose here. Not God doesn't choose. I, I, I choose, but not, not, not God. It could be a difficult doctrine, but there's an upside to this doctrine. And I fought this for years. 
The, the upside is this. If it's just my choice, my assurance is blasted. But I got to keep in mind that he chose me as well. And he chose you if you know him. But you got to know this. Don't you think that he knew the bad things you were going to do before he chose you? Don't, don't you? You say, well, I've done all these. Yeah, you probably have. Well, I'm unworthy. Yeah, yeah, of course you are. But, but you, don't, you don't know what I've said and done and thinking. But yeah, I'm sure it's awful. Don't you think, though, that he knew before he chose you? And yet he chose you anyway. It's not just your choice. I rest so much in this sometimes that if it was just my faithfulness and my ability to choose and my decision, I would be in all kinds of, of, of trouble. This is why the Apostle Paul, I think, can say in Philippians 1.6. Check, check this, this out verse. He says, being confident of this. He's confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Until the day of Christ Jesus. This is why Apostle Paul can say in Romans 8. Next text. He says, for I'm convinced. I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons. That's all the power of hell, right? Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. Anything that I didn't cover, I'm just going to, all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because you've got this, your spirit, you've been born again, you're new. Next verse. Jesus says, my sheep, this, this verse has got a lot packed in here. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. If you could lose that, of course, it wouldn't be eternal anymore. Right? It'd be temporal life and they shall never perish. Check this out. No one can snatch them out of my hand. You are a part of that. No one, right? No one can snatch them out of my hand. And this next verse is the most mind blown of all. My father who has given them to me. Isn't it amazing that if you know Christ, you are a love gift that God the Father has given to Jesus. He's given them to me. He's greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Let's check out this next verse. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, according to scripture, when your heart was stoned, when you were, it's not just a decision I'm going to make, like I'm going to order pepperoni on my pizza and oh yeah, I'm going to go with church and oh yeah, I'll be a Christian. It's not, it's not that. Scripture says in that place, we, uh, we were at enmity with God. But now, when the spirit comes in and you've got new life and, and all things are new and you've been created new and he's given you a heart of, of, of flesh, you are adopted into God's family. If Once you're adopted... You are in the family, man. You can't lose the adopt. You weren't adopted in because you were really good, and you can't lose it because you messed up. You are adopted in. By him we cry. That's the spirit. We cry, Abba, Father. The word Abba is like Papa. It's 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 Daddy. It's it's a term of. I mean, when I was in trouble with my dad, I did not call him Daddy. Right? Uh, he would not have responded well. It, it, it's a deep love relationship word it's it's beyond formality it, yes i will call president uh, uh trump president trump but if i'm his child i'll call him daddy right that, that's that's that, that what we've got going what we've got going on here that that uh this this idea 
being born again is just a, it's not just my choice. It is a whole new deal. It's a whole new deal. Years ago, I was at a, a youth conference. I was a youth pastor another long, long time ago. And the speaker was a guy by the name of Dave Busby. Dave Busby is now, he's gone on to heaven. But Dave Busby was a uh, scrawny uh, guy, walked with a limp. He'd had polio when he was a kid. He had uh, cystic fibrosis. His health was just a mess in so many ways. And he spoke, though, with incredible power. And he told this, this, this story. He said, you know, when I was real, real little, I'd had all kinds of health issues, even as a little kid. I had polio. I was limping. I wasn't... But my older brother was the, the coach, not the coach, he was the captain of the basketball team in, in the high school. He was a star player. And, and every Saturday morning, it seemed, that my brother and some other guys on the team would come and they would shoot hoops at the house. And we had a backboard on the garage and they would pick up teams and they would play uh, all morning. He says, and typically what would happen is I would go out there and get my lawn chair and sit down and just watch them play. Well, one morning, they come time to play, but they're one guy short. And they say, Dave, you got to play with us and make the teams even. And Dave says, I can't, can't even barely hold the ball, more or less play basketball, these guys especially, but okay. He said, so his brother and the next best guy, they went up to pick teams and everybody else just kind of lined up. And so Dave kind of lined up next to these guys. And he was trying to stick out his chest and be up there with these guys. And his brother got to choose first. And, and, and everyone knew he was going to choose Jim because Jim was the best shooter of the team anyway and Jim was going to be, be fantastic. But as his brother starts scanning the guys on the team, guys winding up to choose, he stops at Dave and he says, Dave, I choose Dave. And he says, there's just silence among the guys. And he wasn't sure he heard this right. You're choosing me? And he just looked and his brother was smiling big and said, yep, come on, Dave. And so he just kind of limped a couple steps out. He said, then he just ran to his brother's arms and just broke down in tears. He was bawling. His brother was smiling. He wasn't chosen because he was so good. He wasn't chosen because he could help the team so incredibly. He was chosen because his brother, deep in love with him. Let me ask you, have you ever been loved like that? You know, the... The winds of the Spirit may be blowing for you this morning. Maybe you can be like a Nicodemus, maybe a John Wesley, maybe like those bones. Lots of activity, rattling around, but never born again. And you might say, well, well, how do I know the wind is blowing for me? Just by, let me, if you answer this question, this will, this will solve it. Do you want it to? If you want it to, I have a feeling it's blowing for you. And at that point, you need to respond to his opening your eyes. The Holy Spirit quickens us, opens our eyes, allows us to see our sin, allows us to see his grace, allows us to see his mercy. Uh, He takes with our faith and all of Jesus' blood and and resurrection and life, and he attributes it into our our soul and, and, and creates a new life the holy spirit does this for us and so perhaps you've been trying 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 and you need like jesus said thanks for all your activity it's wonderful unless a person is born again you need a new birth don't need renovation 
Don't need remodeling. You can dress up a corpse and you know what? It's still a corpse. You, you don't need a reorganization. You need a regeneration. You, you don't need a, a, a new, turn over a new leaf. Going to try harder. You don't, you don't need a new plan. You don't need a new strategy. You need a new birth, a new life. And that's why God said, one day my spirit is going to come. And inside, new birth. All things are new. Whole new day. And so, if you know him, you need to know an assurance of what he's done, what he's created. I can stand in that assured, no, no fear. And if you don't, you need to know this morning, when the Spirit's blowing, it's time to respond. So would you bow your heads with me, close your eyes.